Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Change Your POV Podcast. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes of veteran mental health. I'm your host, Dwayne France. Let's get ready to make sure that your headspace and timing set correctly. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Headspace and Timing. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for checking us out. As many of you who serve know, the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal, is one of the greatest weapons in the military's arsenal. The weapon's headspace and timing isn't set right, however, it's just a huge chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing is not set correctly either. That's my mission here, to raise awareness about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week we'll talk about different aspects of veteran mental health and interview mental health professionals that are working with veterans, service members, and their families around the country. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to the Headspace and Timing podcast. I got a great episode for you today. I'd like to introduce uh, Mr. James Pond. James, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'd like to, to hear a little bit about you, sort of what you're doing, and, and just give us a little bit of background. Yeah, so um, I come from a long line of military service. Uh, my dad was in Vietnam. And uh, right out of high school, I joined the Marine Corps, um, went into intelligence and special operations. Um, after eight years, um, got out of the military, really struggled to figure out who I was outside of being a Marine. And I wandered around, did investigations, I did some consulting work, wandered around, finally ended up doing corporate sales. And in my early 30s, my wife and I were sitting down with really young kids uh, watched a television special about young girls being trafficked in Southeast Asia. And uh, nine months later, we sold everything we owned, moved our family to Cambodia and started working with um, sexually trafficked girls. Um, and um, after about 12 years of doing that, I remember just prior to going to Cambodia, uh, Marines started hitting the ground. And I remember thinking to myself, uh, this is going to be an era and a generation of military men and women that are going to suffer with significant um, physical wounds, but also psychological and emotional. And uh, after about 12 years and working in the anti-human trafficking space, really felt like it was time to make a job transition. And uh, I had had a lot of exposure to issues around trauma, um, things around mindfulness, and so in 2015, I started having conversations with an organization called Veterans Path. Uh, they were looking for an executive director. 
And um, in 2016, I was hired to take over leadership and help the organization grow. And so uh, we are an organization that is focused on working with, um, you know, vets from 1990 on with a focus on um, IOF, OEF, New Dawn vets that are really struggling with issues around, you know, suicidality, uh, post-traumatic stress, military sexual trauma, moral injury, traumatic brain injury. Uh, and it's been a really phenomenal journey um, being able to work with this cohort of veterans, but also seeing how um, mindfulness and meditation are actually impacting their lives and making a difference. Yeah, that's great. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to unpack there. You, uh, you're one of the Marines. Uh, you joined the Marines and peace broke out kind of thing. Uh, yeah, there was something like that. Yeah. Um, I was in during the Desert Storm era and the military was really fixated at that time you know, the direction was uh, counterterrorism was just ramping up. Um, the military thought we were going in the direction of low intensity conflict. So we had, you know, things like Panama, Somalia, right. uh, this little thing called Desert Storm whooped up. And, you know, that didn't take very long. Um, we were fighting the drug war in South America as well as here in the U.S., I don't think anyone anticipated that we would be facing just within a short period of time um, going into, you know, what is now 15 year war. Right. And, and, and so it's uh, the other interesting thing is uh, you went uh, sort of overseas and and how did your military service uh, in, in, in your military background uh, really help you to prepare for uh, what I imagine were just maybe some different austere conditions in Cambodia? You know, the, the military does a lot to embed in you discipline um, and a determination to get things done. Um, you know, regardless of what our experience has been in the military, um, you know, with hurry up and wait, it, as service members, our desire is to get things done, to get work finished. And so I think when I was over there, um, regardless of the conditions and the obstacles that we faced, there was this really strong hard-headed determination that we were going to make a difference, we were going to help people. Um, so I think that discipline, um, I think that sense of obligation and service, and um, just the ability to endure a lot of hardship really made a difference. It was um, it helped me to be able to lead our staff, it helped me to be able to lead my family, and it helped me to you know structure my own life so that you know I knew how to take care of myself under those conditions. Yeah, that puts me in mind of uh, of like Team Rubicon. You know, it's in, in taking the skills that we had uh, in the military and applying it to uh, new world or, or, or a different mission, essentially. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I love what Team Rubicon is doing because they're taking the the things that are already embedded in veterans and just helping bring that alive. You know, often when we leave the military, and this is what I struggled with, you know, you have this sense of purpose. You know, right. you. you are whatever you are. You're a soldier, you're a sailor, you're an airman, you're a Marine, and you've got this sense of like, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing, this is my function in the world. Mm -hmm. And then you get out and you don't have those connections anymore. You don't necessarily have that identity any longer. And you got to figure out, well, what am I doing? What is my purpose in the world now? And you go to your workaday job, and I think a lot of veterans are really struggling with 
their identity sitting in a cubicle or going to an office nine to five or you know, showing up to a work site and wondering how does this play into this desire to really want to serve and do something. T Rubicon Mission Continues, I think, are really great organizations because they're simply tapping into the natural strengths that veterans have and giving them an outlet to you know serve. Yeah, this is actually something that I see a lot with the veterans I work with is it is existential. You know, we talk about existentialism uh, in the mental health sense, but uh, but it is a lack of meaning and purpose. One of my uh, one of the guys that uh, I had deployed with in Afghanistan got out, went to work for USAA. Great job. Right. You know, Ty doing everything. But he hated it. He was like, but this is and he was like, yeah, I, I got the job. I sort of landed on my feet, but it, it's not fulfilling to me. Uh, and it's it's interesting to hear that that you went out and, and pretty pretty drastically, I think, um, or, or you went out and, and made purpose in the world. So, yeah. well, that, and I, you know, I, I think that's the other thing that veterans do, you know, is that, um, you know, if there's not a door, blow a hole in the wall. Right. And, um, you know, we we were really looking, I, I think, as a as a family, you know, my my wife spent six years as a Marine Corps wife. Um, you know, my kids grew around grew up around military culture. And all of a sudden, you know, there was the sense of let's figure out something, some way to be able to give back in the world. I think what was ingrained was, um, you know, we helped our kids to grow up with this understanding of, you know, serve others, live a self-sacrificial life, look for the opportunity to make a difference in the world. And, you know, yet, you know, most people are wondering, how do I, you know, take Thanksgiving and go to a homeless shelter? They're, they're not really looking at how do I um, create an envelope for my life to actually be of service. And, and, it, and it doesn't have to be, you know, moving to a third world country. It can be, you know, serving in your own community or serving in your own family. It's where, you know, you place those priorities. And I think veterans just often get get lost because they're, they're not sure what that looks like in their life. And that's part of what we do as an organization is really creating new pathways of service for vets to be able to find that in their lives. Yeah, so and and that does uh, sort of take me to what what Veterans Path is doing. So, can you tell us a little bit more about Veterans Path? Uh, maybe a little bit of the history and and kind of how things started. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Veterans Path by mission. You know, we enable veterans to you know rediscover um, you know purpose, meaning, and joy in their lives through mindfulness, meditation, and a safe community. That's our mission statement. Um, and I'll break that down in a second. But the organization started in 2008, and it was um, started by two women, um, Lee um, Lesser and Chris Fortin, who, you know, they were around during the Vietnam War, and they watched what happened to veterans as they came back and the struggles that they went through, whether that was, you know, dealing with post-traumatic stress or homelessness or drug and alcohol addiction, and really watching how society responded to them. And they wanted to create a world that was different for veterans. And so they had both come from the sensory awareness and meditation world and started meeting with vets and asking, what can we do? What can we offer that would make a difference? And they realized that, you know, there was a real strength in offering these mindfulness tools that would help veterans be able to, to find their ground and maybe find their way towards hope and healing in their lives. So um, originally they thought, you know, we'll do these courses, we'll bring vets in and they'll sit and we'll meditate and, um, uh, had their first event and learned very quickly that they needed to integrate some other things to make it interesting to vets. Um, vets need to get out and move, do something physical. And so they started creating um, what have become the four pillars of the organization. So we use physical activity, um, outdoors and nature, 
as, as one pillar, get, get vets out and activating themselves physically, physical fitness is a part of overall wellness, but it also helps to kind of bring to the surface a lot of the emotions and, and things that are triggering for vets. Um, the second pillar is using mindfulness and meditation skills and tools and integrating those into a veteran's life. The third pillar is really creating veteran community. Um, you know, a lot of us get out of the military and we go back home and we don't realize that we've had these really deep friendships and connections with other vets, um, regardless of um, how much we loved or didn't love them during our time in the service. We're still connected. And there are yeah. there are brothers and sisters. We would have taken a bullet for them. And yet they can be in Florida or Vermont or North Carolina and you're out in California, Oregon, Washington. You're physically dislocated. Right. So creating community is a really important part of Veterans Path of, of bringing veterans from all five services back into a community where they can support each other in a healthy way. And then the last one is really creating new pathways of service. And so um, all that to say, what we do is we provide um, a number of programs that vets can um, either dabble in or deep dive into. So we do one-day events, which you know, typically are rock climbing. We just did a canoeing event, um, hiking. Uh, we've done qigong, yoga. Um, but it's a, a one-day event. You come out from 9 to 5, and it's kind of a sampling of what Veterans Path is offering. You know, Learn some mindfulness skills, kind of experience what that might be like, connect to some other vets, but you go home. Um, we're doing three-day retreats, which are a slightly deeper dive for vets that are really looking for, you know, how would I begin to integrate these things and work through some of the issues in my life? And then we offer two other programs. So one of them is what we're calling a four-month anchor program. And it's a really serious commitment for vets. Um, and it consists of a five-day retreat and a 15-week support program. So, you know, most of the retreats that we've seen happen kind of in a vacuum. You go to a retreat, you have a mountaintop experience, you're out there with vets, you're facing some of the things in your life, you're on a on an emotional high, and then you've got to go home to the same things that you were just coming from. So, you know, it's it's family, it's work, it's it's life, and now you're kind of back at the grind, and it just begins to kind of unravel all that. And so you come off of what we call um, an emotional hangover. Right. And um, so we wanted to really create something that was in depth that could really support veterans in integrating those things into their lives. So we offer this um, this um, five day retreat and then a 15 week support program that has um, some weekend retreats worked into it. They're getting a lot of support from facilitators. There's peer group check ins. Um, assignments, homework, there's a natural curriculum to it. And what we found is that that 15-week program really helps veterans to integrate these mindfulness practices into their lives, develop a much stronger sense of community and bonding with other veterans, um, and really working through some personal growth things that I think um, often get overlooked during our military service and even more overlooked you know, when we enter the veteran community. Yeah, so that's really great. Now, you're not a uh, clinical mental health press professional yourself. Well, dear God, I'm not. No, <laughs> I, um, I, am a, I am an armchair psychiatrist. I have um, I've been exposed to um, some of the world's best um, trauma specialists. I've spent a lot of time um, learning, but um, my learning has all been experiential. I am not a mental health care professional. But uh, but when we talked last time, and this is uh, is is obviously one of my concerns, and I I agree that uh, a lot of time you come down from the mountain and then you have to go back to the the uh, the living room, the same place you came from. Uh, 
what is your opinion on um, clinical mental health counseling, uh, formal therapy, so to speak, integrated into what you're doing? I think it's absolutely critical. You know, I, I am not, I don't come from the world of either or. I think alternative therapies are extremely important, but I also believe that that mental health has um, needs a holistic approach. So our approach has always been, um, we are not the answer. Um, we are a part of an answer. And we really want vets to find what works for them. And so we encourage conversations between our team and veterans therapists, if that's um, of use to their treatment and care. Um, we look for mental health services that are local to our program so that we can refer vets back to um, mental health care professionals. So here in the state of Tennessee, we work with Centerstone uh, Military Services, great group of folks. They've offered support to any veteran that wants it. Uh, we work very closely with our VA partners and looking at the services that they're receiving there, whether that's voc rehab therapists or trauma um, programs at the VA. I really think it's important that um, there be lots of different venues and avenues for veterans to pursue wholeness and healing in their lives. No, I, I absolutely agree. And it's, uh, again, the adjunctive therapies um, uh, and traditional therapy combined can be uh, very beneficial. Absolutely. Now, uh, you've talked a little bit about uh, mindfulness and mindfulness meditation. I know when I first started talking to veterans uh, about meditation, they had this image of, uh, you know, sitting cross-legged on the floor going, mm, you know, I mean, it just clearing their mind. Can you talk to us a little bit about what mindfulness meditation is? Um, absolutely yeah absolutely I, yeah i was in the same place you know when i thought about meditation i was thinking of you know some indian guru in a cave with a loincloth on right. and um and i think much of what has happened in the meditation space is that you know it used to kind of belong to um sort of the 60s hippies and i think what we're seeing now is it's coming into mainstream society um, you know, I've been reading articles about the 15 top CEOs in the country are actual avid meditators. And, and meditation is really learning to focus your mind. I think the misconception is that meditation is about learning to think of nothing or to empty your mind and have, have um, sort of this none thought going on. And in reality, it's really learning to focus your mind and pay attention to what's going on. Um, it's allowing emotions to come and then letting them pass because often what happens is we live in this miasma of an inner voice that's constantly talking to us. And if you're a veteran out there and you're listening to this and you're dealing with, um, you know, intrusive memories, you're um, having problems with your emotional and physicality being connected together, meditation is something that can really help teach you how to focus. And so what it is is learning how to be present. And we say that a lot, you know, we want to be present in our lives, but meditation is a means of learning to focus on a particular object, um, a phrase, the breath. There's a lot of different types of meditation that you can engage in, but it's really learning to um, focus your mind, pay attention to what's going on, be aware of what's happening both physically um, and emotionally. And I always say that um, it's helping veterans to see what is present and real in this moment and learning to um, separate what they're experiencing from what they need to focus on. And what, I th what I've seen happen is that it really helps in, um, in vets in particular with learning how to respond to something rather than react to something. 
So uh, mindfulness practice can look like everything from taking three deep breaths to taking 30 minutes out to do focused breathing meditation. Um, and there's a wide variety of, you know, eating meditation, walking meditation, sitting meditation that is beneficial to any and all of us. Um, but in particular, veterans are finding that this is extremely helpful in addressing issues around trauma, learning how to um, figure out what's happening physically and emotionally in their own bodies, learning to be comfortable with that, and then sense what's happening in this very moment and what's real and what's present and right in front of me right now. Yeah, I, I think, in, and especially in my clinical practice, I can tell that uh, that it really does help. Uh, I first started hearing about mindfulness not in a, uh, a meditation sense, but uh, I, I listened to a, a podcast called the Brain Science Podcast, uh, and a lot when I was traveling back and forth and all those cross-country trips. Um, but but the neurologists were seeing um, a lot of change uh, building in the prefrontal lobe and, and uh, neuroplasticity uh, coming from, uh, as you said, you know, master meditators or, or individuals that had really uh, kind of brought it in. Um, I, I think uh, John Kabat-Zinn bringing it to the West was a, a big thing. Um, but also I, I recall some... Um, uh, like the Dalai Lama and the Buddhist monks really bought into uh, showing how uh, meditation can change the, the physical brain um, and increase uh, prefrontal lobe and, and all these things that we need, like you said, to kind of respond rather than react. Yeah, med meditation, you know, just for the lay person, not even for a monk, um, over time, they say that in small doses, so, you know, anyone who's considering this, it's not, you know, meditating three hours a day, um, you know, just taking 10 minutes a day will actually help the brain to create new neural pathways. So where a lot of our thinking has gotten stuck or trapped behind um, emotional blockages um, or just old patterns of thinking, meditation is a way to actually, you know, reprogram your brain. To, to think and process information in a different way. It's a really powerful tool. Yeah, and it's and it's it's powerful in its simplicity, I think, uh, as well as uh, powerful in its impact. Uh, I, I, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was gonna say, you know, one of the things, that it, when you said simplicity, I think that we often forget is that, <clears throat> you know, every day we breathe in and out. Right. Completely unconscious of it, and yet those two actions hold our life in the balance. If any one of those stops, we're dead. And so how often do we check in with our breath and, and go, am I breathing? You know, I think a lot of vets that are undergoing trauma um, or experiencing emotional pain oftentimes will stop breathing in that process, not consider that it's something so simplistic and not taking advantage of it. One of the uh, the easiest things that I found to be able to explain, especially well, to all of the veterans uh, that I work with when I talk about this, is uh, what do you do at the, the rifle range? Right. You're, you're not worrying about what you had for breakfast or what you're going to have for dinner when you're actually in there in that qualification uh, moment. Right. You're focusing on your breathing. You're literally concentrating on your trigger squeeze, where my cheek is, all of these. And and that's like at a point of total focus in the moment. Uh, and once I start to explain it to veterans, they were like, well, yeah, I never considered it that way. But, yeah, that is kind of accurate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a whole thing of the, the more conscious you are of your breathing that on each exhale, your body is actually going through a relaxation state. 
Um, when we're unconscious of it, our bodies often don't, don't re, you know, respond to that same kind of stimuli. But um, that breathing and and that on the exhale, if people will pay attention to their breath, they'll find their body relaxing at each exhalation and being able to really reconnect to like, oh, what's going on in my body right now? Oh, my shoulders are tense. My neck's tight. My back is, you know, withdrawn and really being able to kind of relax into that breath. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a totally different state of mind. So how do you uh, help veterans or, or when they're talking about, well, I just can't, my mind's racing so much, you know, it's my, I can't stop thinking. I wake up at two in the morning and lightning's flashing in my head and all this other stuff. How do you, uh, what's a way that you usually explain to veterans how to really not hold on to those thoughts? Well, I think it's learning to to distinguish what is actually going on. You know, and you're the mental health professional, but uh, in lay terms, you know, trauma is really a disconnection between our physical selves and our emotional selves. Um, and so we find things going on with our bodies, right? We're having, um, you know, uh, flashes behind our eyes or um, we're feeling our heart rate go up or we're feeling our breath get short or our shoulders get tight. And yet we don't have a connection to what's going on emotionally that's making our body respond this way. Or in the other direction, we got stuff circulating in our heads, but we have no connection in our body to why we're experiencing those things. And so, you know, what I tell vets is that meditation is a way of helping to, you know, integrate what's going on physically and emotionally because they're so tied together. So it's that it's just taking that moment to just stop, put your, you know, put your hand over your over your chest, feel your heartbeat. Close your eyes and take three really deep breaths and just feel where you are in that present moment. And then try to start thinking, like, what's what's going on? What's really happening? You know, is it dog barking outside? Is, is something happening in the house? Because I think what happens is either our bodies or our minds, separate from those things, are, are experiencing hypervigilance, some form of anxiety. Something is going on that we need to make that connection, figure out what's happening here. Do I need to be responding this way or is my body just so accustomed to it that I'm having an autonomic response rather than being mindful? Um, taking that moment can make a difference. As a, as a lay person, you're, you're extremely accurate. No, that is in, in a lot of the, uh, the trauma, post-traumatic stress uh, has uh, been shown to change the amygdala, the hippocampus, and those lower portions of the brain. And those are all tied into, um, you know, the, the nervous system and things like that. And so when those are kicked on, I, I tell veterans that's like the gas pedal. So the gas pedal, you know, tromps on the gas pedal, but the prefrontal lobe, that front of your brain, that's the governor that keeps the gas pedal, the, the RPMs from going too high. Well, if the governor isn't functioning very well, if our prefrontal lobe uh, doesn't have control over that, like you said, we don't have that conscious awareness, um, then it is going to redline and, and until we bring that back. So, no, it was, uh, it was pretty accurate uh, as a layperson. You were right on it. Well, we always say it's, 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 it's human brain over lizard brain. You know, exactly. um, you know humans have, have evolved for survival, not happiness. And so, you know, when we go to our most base level, we're responding to, you know, our, our primitive brain, which is telling us, you know, fight, flight, or freeze. Right. And our prefrontal cortex is that ability to process, like you said, the governor. It's really learning to build that up and be able to rationally tell the primitive brain it's got it all wrong. That there's no reason to live in that hypervigilant state. 
And this is what we've seen with trauma over and over again, and we call it the battle-scarred amygdala and the the hippocampus and uh, all like this, is that becomes so activated, uh, and then that front part that that really helps control that is just totally taken offline. Um, Really, if you're in a really highly traumatic state, uh, those things like alcohol that take the prefrontal lobe offline can really exacerbate the situation instead of calm it down. So... And, and, and I like how mindfulness meditation um, really helps, as you said before, establish those neural pathways really from the front to the back and helps the veteran get more control over their autonomic responses. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing, too, you just you kind of touched on it just a moment ago is that, you know, there's an overall wellness component that I think vets need to consider because it's. Um, you know, I think mindfulness is definitely a component. I think it's extremely helpful. I think that, um, you know, seeing a mental health professional and doing cognitive therapy can be extremely beneficial. But it's also the, um, you know, how you're eating, um, the kind of exercise that you're getting, because it, you really need a holistic approach to, to getting yourself well. And I, I think, you know, using, you know, alcohol, um, drugs, or even lousy eating as a form of coping um, ultimately leads to, to dishealth. And so, you know, I really encourage veterans to take a, a, a look at, you know, what's happening with your lifestyle, your diet, your fitness, along with other, all of those other things, because those will help you round out um, a lot of the issues that I think folks are facing. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because um, a lot of that is a little bit different than what we experienced in the military. Um, in, uh, in dialectical behavior therapy, I have a group that I do, uh, and one of the veterans recently had said, uh, you know what, you're telling me to do all this, uh, and these are things that I did not do uh, whenever I was in the military. So things like um, uh, making yourself, uh, taking care of physical wellness, like you know, going to the doctor when you need to go to the doctor. We didn't do that, because who wanted to be the sick call ranger, right? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, sleep, proper sleep habits. You know, I know how many times did you pull a 24 hour shift or a 48 hour shift, uh, or things like that. And so there's these things that we know that are wellness and maybe we might even, um, tell people, um, yes, uh, you know, take care of yourself when you're in the military. But when we were in young, dumb going, you know, 25 miles an hour, we really didn't do those things. So it takes a shift in a veteran's mindset. It, it does. And I, you know, I think that's one of the things that at Veterans Path that we're, we're fixated on is, is really helping vets to connect to the positive things in their service, but also to be able to make that transition into their civilian life. And, you know, I, I, um, I've said a number of times, you know, that when you're in the military, you belong to the government, your, your government property. Um, but when you get out of the military, you really belong to your community and your family and yourself. And, and I think it's a whole different approach, um, even in fitness. You know, um, I, I, I've done, you know, CrossFit, I've done the kettlebells, I've done the whole thing. And a lot of what we're doing in the fitness world is trying to mimic what the military does. You know, put on a rock and go pound yourself to death for, you know, three days to get a patch to stick on on your backpack. And we're not really thinking about what's going to be restorative and nourishing to my body and actually help me in the process of, of being able to live into my 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe even your 90s and be able to move well and be able to function well. Um, and so, you know, same thing with diet. 
You know, God, I, I spent a lot of days, you know, going through fast food drive throughs because I just didn't have time to go eat, right. let alone think about my own nutrition and what's going to what's going to make my body function at a, at a high level. So, you know, I think mindfulness um, takes us beyond just kind of the mental focus of learning to sit and deal with things emotionally. It's really being mindful of what am I doing with my entire life? How am I how am I being in the world? How do I treat myself when I'm exercising, when I'm eating, when I'm sleeping, when I'm, you know, working or engaging in my family? It's a it's a more holistic approach. And it is very different than military service. And I think it's reconditioning vets to connect to, you know, the the positive things. But some of those negative things we've got to leave behind and reconstruct something that's more valuable for our longevity and health. And, and I definitely like that idea of mindfulness being uh, nested. You know, you can have uh, immediate mindfulness of where I'm at in my space, in this room, in this chair. What do my toes feel like in my shoes kind of thing? You know, we can have that immediate mindfulness, but then that nests um, just like a smaller unit in a larger unit or a smaller task building for larger tasks. Um, Once you can master those smaller tasks uh, and then have the ability to apply this uh, in other areas of our lives, in our relationships, in our employment, uh, but even, as you said, in uh, in in our purpose, in our in our overall, you know, where we're at in the world. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, I think. um, I think, and it really doesn't matter. I guess I've, I've seen, you know, vets that have done two years in the military and 26 years in the military, and we all come out with these same kinds of, you know, sort of mental views of, of you know, how things are supposed to be as opposed to what might be best for us or how we might be different, what adjustments we, we might need to make. And, um, you know, one of the things that I would, I would say is there's so much ritual around going into the military from the moment you raise your hand at MEPS to boot camp to promotions and mm-hmm. all of mm-hmm. you know, receiving awards and medals and commendations. And then when we get out of the military, we get handed a piece of paper. There is no ritual for becoming a civilian. And so, you know, we think of them as, um, you know, dirty scrubs, yet we forget we're one of them. We are now, uh, uh, we live among them and we, we are one ourselves. And so, um, you know, one of the things that we strive for as an organization is really helping veterans to have some ritual around um, becoming a, a civilian and entering into a whole new era in their lives and, and receiving that with the same kind of, um, you know, power and um, transition as they did anything else in the military. No, and, and that is um, uh, very accurate. You know, if uh, I spent 22 years in, so I, I had the closure. I had a, a, a retirement ceremony, right? I, I had a, a long lead time that I leaned really far forward in the foxhole to make sure that I landed on my feet when I came out. But a uh, somebody who's uh, medically retired, for example, may not get that or won't get that. Definitely an ETS, uh, you know, somebody who just leaves the service, uh, um, that they're not going to get that. There, there is no kind of closure. Um, and, and that's, there's, there's a lot of talk now about, uh, you know, just in the veteran community about providing 
some of that. I was actually um, in in probably now, but uh, when this will air in, in a, a month or so, but um, there was just an honor flight out of uh, I think it was Minnesota that took Vietnam veterans um, for the first that. time. Yeah, and, and yeah. so uh, typically it was Korean War and World War II, but now the Vietnam veterans getting their honor flight. Uh, I had the opportunity to uh, spend to do that in the mid '80s with my dad and my uncle, and it was amazing. It was formative for me to see that kind of um, ritual on the other end. But something else you just brought up is we put so much effort into making someone a soldier, a marine, a, a you know. So there's so much effort that I think there's a part of us that thinks anything worth doing, we must exert a lot of effort to do. Right. And so um, mindfulness is so simple. It can't be this simple because it's not hard. Right. 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 And, and you know, and so we, we look at these complications as something that are is just a part of the experience and not understanding that we may be able to integrate more ease into our lives and, and begin to enjoy that process rather than feeling like it's a constant you know, sort of boot camp struggle to, to get through things. Right. I, I think I told you when we talked last time I had an experience where I had a and, and I do I think she's a, an excellent mentor. But uh, my my instructor in my clinical uh, program, we were going through as a substance abuse uh, class, uh, but we had to do some mindfulness practice. And I was struggling with it because it was so easy and it can't be this easy. And then one day I threw a ruck on my back and I walked up to the top of uh, Mount Rosa here in uh, Colorado Springs. It's about uh, right at about eleven hundred feet or 11,000 feet, uh, and I sat down, and it crossed my legs, and, and I had a great meditation experience, and then I went back to her, and I said, Dr. Varhili, it was so great, I went to the top of a mountain, I had this great meditation experience, and she looked at me, she said, you're a moron, you could have done the same thing on your front porch, and and, and that's and that's really it. and 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 now I actually do I go on my front porch and that's that's one of the places where I have to to meditate but but it's this idea that we have to have this epic quest to go do you know but it, but that's not that's something that uh, a veteran at the end of this uh, listening to this they can find some place to to go meditate and 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 it's it's not that hard. No, no. It's, um, you know, one of the best pieces of advice I got was um, early on in my own meditation journey was having folks tell me, don't find a quiet spot to meditate. Um, so I used to do it out in my garage where I could hear all the noise and the cars going by and the outside distractions, because if you can learn to find your ground when there's distraction, that's when it becomes really useful. If you've got to isolate yourself, again, you're, you're putting this, this odd pressure on yourself to have right. to create conditions to be able to find peace in your own life. And that's that's really not what it's about. It's about really being able to ground yourself and find peace in any circumstance. Um, so so that was a, that's a lot of great information and I really appreciate the, the clarification about mindfulness. Uh, and so now, uh, say a veteran's listen to this, uh, what's the next step? What do you recommend uh, maybe or, or some of the, the best ways, like I use Insight Timer, um, you know, yeah. as, as an app, uh, for, uh, for meditation and I'll include that in the show notes, but what, what, uh, what sort of, uh, apps or programs do you recommend that veterans, if they want to try this? Yeah. So, um, if you're a book person, the, the top books I would recommend to folks would be John Cabot Zen mindfulness for beginners. That's a great primer. If you just want to know, you know, the, the bare basics, uh, Pima Chandran has a great book called, um, how to meditate. Real basic, super easy and accessible. 
Um, the apps that, that uh, we love um, at Veterans Path is uh, we use Headspace. Um, and if there are any veterans listening to this podcast, if they will um, connect with us, I will give them a code. They'll have a free year subscription to Headspace. So um, that's a great offering for, for vets to be able to access meditation tools. Um, we love Insight Timer. I think that's a great tool that's super accessible with a lot of variety to it. Um, and then there's resources on our, on our website. If they want to hear veterans actually leading meteditation practices, if you go to veteranspath.org, look under our resources page, um, there's guided meditations that they can actually start to engage and do some practice right there. Um, those would be probably my top, my top bets. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any of the books that have been very um, instructive or helpful um, let me think about that, and I'll I'll, um, I'll actually send some. Maybe we can post it with this podcast. Yeah. So, and I'll definitely add um, both of those books uh, to the show notes, and then a link to Headspace. I know that um, uh, organization that I'm working with, Objective Zero, um, that uh, they've uh, connected with Headspace and and uh, and 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 that year year subscription for veterans uh, is something yeah. that, that Headspace is doing. Uh, it's something like what a three hundred dollar or is it, it's a it's, it's like uh, i think it's like a hundred and something dollars a subscription yeah and so um yeah we've we've got our san francisco folks have connected with them and so we've got a great relationship and they've given us a bunch of subscriptions so yeah. uh, if it's something you want to refer folks we'd love to connect we'll get them a code and they'll get a free membership so uh how would a veteran connect with you uh even for that just through the veterans path website or do they have a different yeah, so there's a couple of ways they can – there's actually several ways they can get a hold of us. They can go to veteranspath.org, just go to our contact page, connect with us, and we'll get back to you. Uh, you can find us on Facebook under Veterans Path and just leave us a direct message. We'll connect with you. Um, you can find us on Instagram. We'd love you there. Um, so just reach out to us or they can just write us at info at veteranspath.org and we'll make sure that we hook them up. And and so is that uh, also a uh, a way for, if there is a veteran right? And I think when you talked or when we talked last, you have some uh, events coming up this fall. I think this episode will air probably in September sometime. Uh, but I think you have a, a retreat in October. I think in Tennessee, but also so how can a veteran if they want to get involved in some of the actual events that Veterans Path is doing? Yeah, so uh, if they go to the website, they'll find information under our programs page. But we are having two um, really in-depth men's programs, one in September in California, one in October in Tennessee. And um, we are looking for veterans that have served since 1990 that are interested in being a part of these programs. If they go on there, there's an actual application page. They can just put their information in and we'll circle back around with them and get them more information about those um, events. We're also offering a number of different scheduled events throughout the year. So if they just go to our events page, they'll find more information about what's being offered. And I think this next week, we're actually planning our 2018 calendar. So even next year's events will start to get posted on the website. Any um, veteran that is in need and interested in programs like this, if they'll get in touch with us, we may be able to find them something that's in their own state or in their own area that they don't already know about. So, um, you know, we'd love to help them access, um, you know, some alternative programs around mindfulness um, if we can. So they can reach us through the through the website or through our social media. 
That's great. So uh, really, as we come to the end here, uh, is there any last uh, words that uh, that you'd like to give to the audience? Any any final thoughts? You know, I I think probably one of the, the most prominent things I would leave is that, um, you know, for as many services are out there for veterans, um, the number of meaningful services that veterans actually need are not that rich. And so I, I really recommend that if you've got veterans in your life or you're a veteran yourself and you're looking for help, um, that you start to look at some of these alternative opportunities that are out there because they're, they're really rich um, opportunities to find some new ways of, of facing and coming about um, issues in their lives. And so I'd encourage them to reach out to us or, or someone else and find out what might be uh, available or accessible in their area. Well, that's great. Uh, and I think that's definitely some good advice. Well, thanks uh, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me and um, best of luck to you. Absolutely. So that's uh, that's it for today's Headspace and Timing show, folks. Uh, if, uh, if you are finding yourself in a place where your Headspace and Timing isn't set correctly, make sure that you take the time to, uh, to get yourself right because that's the only way that you're going to find peace and wellness in your post-military life. We'll look forward to joining you next week. Thanks. Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.